On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, I'll give you my review of the Cybertruck after getting to live with it for a full weekend. Plus, the last big domino falls in the quest for universal NACS adoption. The new largest supercharger in the world is under construction in California and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joining you alongside Daisy the Boxer, and this is episode 446 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for February 18th, 2024. I am recording a little bit early here this week on Thursday evening. My uh, mother-in-law and father-in-law are coming into town. In fact, they arrived tonight. It is my mother-in-law's 80th birthday so we're having a big family celebration. We've got a lot of family activities planned, uh, including Friday evening. So I wanted to get this out now. So those of you kind enough to support me on Patreon will get an additional extra 24 hours of early access to this episode. I want to start with the headline topic this week, my Cybertruck review. And I know I said on last week's podcast that I would do it later in the show so that people that come for the Tesla news and analysis could get that. And then if you wanted to hang around for the Cybertruck review, you could do so. But uh, with all love and respect, I've changed my mind. I just figure that the Cybertruck and, and what it's like to live with is probably of interest for a lot of you. So I'm going to start with that. Uh, and if that is not of interest to you, I do apologize. Just keep on fast forwarding until you don't hear Cybertruck stuff anymore. There's still plenty to talk about later on in this podcast, but I will begin with my Cybertruck review. So I picked it up on late Friday afternoon. I returned it 72 hours later on late Monday afternoon. And I want to thank, he has, he has allowed himself to be identified. He did let me know it was okay. I want to thank Emmett Peppers for very, very generously allowing me to borrow his Cybertruck for a few days. If that name sounds familiar, it's because uh, Emmett was extraordinarily kind to welcome me up to his home and let me take out his Model S Plaid. He was one of the first deliveries on the night of the launch event. So he has one of the 20 or so special Plaid logo badges that's different from the plaid logo badge that goes on every plaid now. And he had uh, he had let me just take it out for a couple of hours. We went out together and then I went out by myself and and went and showed it to a couple of friends who, who live not too far from him. And when I got to talk about that experience here on Ride the Lightning, that was all because of Emmett. And he has shown an incredible amount of generosity again. So Emmett, thank you so much. You have some good karma coming your way, sir. Uh, and I, I hope you're able to redeem that good karma very soon. So I put around 200 miles or so on the Cybertruck. This was, just to be clear, this was a dual motor Cybertruck. There are very few, if really any, Cyber Beasts delivering right now. So this was a dual motor. And uh, I was actually, I almost felt a little bad when I finally looked at the odometer. I went into the trip screen and I, I saw, oh my goodness, this thing only has a thousand miles on it. And that was after I was done with it. 
So I, it had like 800 miles and I put another 200 miles on it. Uh, but of course, these are Teslas, these are EVs. Mileage is not really something you have to super concern yourself with. But uh, I have to tell you that, you know, I gave you my first impressions on last week's podcast after driving it from Emmett's house where I picked it up back to my home. And, you know, that was a decent drive. And I, and I told you all about the crazy stuff that happened to me along the way. And so to, to finish the weekend here, I have to tell you that obviously the Cybertruck was very strange to me at first because not only am I used to driving my Model 3, which is quite a lot smaller than the Cybertruck, but I have next to zero experience driving trucks, pickup trucks at all. So this was definitely a new experience for me, but I bring that up because thanks to a lot of things that I'm about to get into, by Sunday, so basically after the first full day with it, I felt totally comfortable. I felt completely locked in with the truck. I didn't feel like, oh, where's the back and where's the, where is everything and am I going to hit anything? No, because of all the cameras because of all the uh, the tech, the parking assistance technology, of course it's not, you know, by parking assistance, I'm not talking about ultrasonic sensors because it doesn't have any of those, but that front bumper camera that I'm gonna talk a lot more about here, I talked a little bit about it last week, but I really did feel super comfortable with it after a day. So, I mean, and that includes driving it around my San Francisco neighborhood with its tight streets, we're Cars are parked everywhere on both sides of the street. So I felt great with it after, you know, after a one full day. And I did everything with it. I grocery shopped with it, including, by the way, I parked it in a regular space in the middle of the parking lot between other cars. And that's something that I would never, that I never do in my Model 3. I will park in the back of the parking lot. I will get as far away and try to avoid other cars to minimize any risk of door dings. But in the Cybertruck, that part of my brain, that worrying, nagging part of my brain, it's like, no, we have to avoid other cars because what if we get a door ding? That's gonna be really frustrating. And nope, that part of my brain is silenced in a Cybertruck. In fact, it's silenced because it's not saying anything. I just parked it between two other cars, right in the heart of the parking lot, and I didn't even worry about it. And when I came back to the Cybertruck, of course nothing had, had happened to it. So, uh, so that was cool. I, I also went to the places that I like to go on the weekends. I drove it through San Francisco on a couple of different occasions, which, you know, if you've driven through San Francisco, it's, it's not necessarily the first place you would think to drive a full-size truck through, but it was fine. It was all good. No problem. I didn't have to take any alternate routes or detours because of the size of the truck or because I was worried about squeezing through anywhere. Again, I had all the cameras, all the tech on board to, to give me confidence wherever I drove. I also uh, connected, I, I went and showed it to my friend, Michael, and he said, well, I'll, I will treat us to lunch Let's take it through the In-N-Out drive-thru, the In-N-Out burger drive-thru, which, you know, snakes quite a bit if you've been in any of those because they're all mostly the same. You know, it's, it's, 
Not that it's like super tight in most In-N-Out burger parking lot, uh, excuse me, drive-through instances, but it's still, you're still doing some, some tight maneuvering in those. And we went right through that In-N-Out burger drive-through, no problem. And on the whole, it never left me anything but confident in where I was going in that truck ever. Now, I expected that the best thing about the Cybertruck was going to be the low-maintenance, worry-free, HFS stainless steel body. And it is, to be clear, and I will say, uh, and if I know Emmett's probably listening right now, I really wanted to kick the truck to show the many people who asked about it and about the stainless steel and but since, since the truck was not mine, I certainly absolutely did not kick the Cybertruck. I did not do that. But I think people believed me anyway. It was not something that was necessarily in question. But I have to say, the most pleasant, surprise, co-best thing besides the HFS is the steer-by-wire. And what I'm about to say is going to sound like hyperbole. And it is only my experience, right? It's just, you may feel differently. I, you know, I'm not saying my word is gospel by any stretch here, but in my humble opinion, steer by wire, at least on this vehicle, and I would argue just as a general thing, not specific to the Cybertruck, steer by wire is a game changer. It reminded me when I got back in my own car, which I'll talk more about in a second, when I got back in my own car and, and sort of had the immediacy of, oh my gosh, steer-by-wire is now taken away from me, it reminded me of back when my, my cousin Pat, rest in peace, first got his Model S back in early 2013, and I went down there to visit him, and we spent the weekend just driving it all over the place together, and then after that, getting back in my then gas-powered car and, and how stupid that car felt. Just dumb. It was just like, what am I doing? I'm putting a key in this. Uh, there's exhaust. There's, you know, this is all dumb. Why, why am I doing this? It doesn't make any sense anymore. And that's how I felt about steer-by-wire after getting, well, that's how I felt about non-steer-by-wire after getting back not into a gasoline car, but into my own Model 3 performance. It just felt dumb to steer in my car. And I really do not want to buy another car that does not have steer-by-wire. I'm maybe, I mean, I've watched most of the Cybertruck reviews on YouTube. I, I think maybe I'm reacting at least as strongly, if not more so, to steer-by-wire than, than any other reviewer I've seen. And, and I'm not trying to say that, that they're not giving it enough credit or anything like that. I'm just saying I was blown away by steer-by-wire because, as I talked a little bit about last week with my first impressions, you just you never, ever, ever have to go hand-over-hand hand when you're steering. Your hands can remain at nine and three on the squircle, no matter what you're doing. If you're flipping a U-turn at a at an intersection where it's legal to do so, there's no hand over hand. You just whip your hands over 170 degrees 
and you've gone lock to lock, you are making a full turn. And of course that rear wheel steering is helping you. Soon enough, the rear wheel steering is gonna help you more when Tesla increases the turning degree from three degrees on the rear wheels up to 10. So it's gonna get an even tighter turning radius. But the steer by wire, just making a casual right turn at a light or a stop sign or making a left at a light or a stop sign or driving just through curves on a road, you just barely, you really don't have to move the squircle much in a really, really great way. I mean, I, I don't know how else to phrase it for you, but it's just, it's just fantastic. Um, the irony, I would say, is that I felt more connected to the road with steer by wire, despite the fact that I'm literally less connected to the road because there's no steering column that's connecting the steering wheel, the squircle, to the front wheels. So I felt more connected to the road. And again, it's it's simulating bumps in the road through force feedback in the squircle in a in a totally convincing way that's probably only gonna get better with time with software updates as they get more data and tweak it more. It was just awesome. And I know I've been talking about steer by wire for like five minutes now, but it's that good. It is that good. And I think particularly in a truck of this size, in a big, big vehicle like this, but I real I instantly wanted steer by wire in my Model 3. I was like, if if it would just handle so much better and be more fun. Now, the next gen roadster, whenever that finally comes along, I would I would bet the pink slip to my Model 3 that the the roadster's gonna have steer by wire. And in a car like that, in a supercar whose entire existence is to be the highest performance thing on the planet, steer by wire is gonna rock in that car because it rocks in the Cybertruck. And yeah, I steer by wire is the future. I hope the SNX get it ASAP. Uh, I'm not, I seems like that the three and the Y probably won't at least anytime soon. The Gen 3 car, maybe, you know, that's, that's super high volume, but they'll have achieved economy of scale by then. So we'll see, but steer by wire just feels like a massive engineering advancement and hats off to the Tesla engineering team for doing that. Now, the next thing I want to talk about the, the loving a lot is that front bumper camera that's on the lower front bumper that sadly the other four Teslas do not have, despite the fact that the, the other four Teslas, like the Cybertruck, do not have ultrasonic sensors on them anymore. But that lower front bumper camera with the lines that draw on the screen and those lines turn as you turn the squircle are just huge for inspiring confidence behind the wheel in this thing in tight spaces. And again, I, I'm not trying to, <laughs> I know I'm just like belaboring the point, but I live in this very cramped San Francisco neighborhood, cars parked on both sides of the streets. It is tight maneuvering some maneuvering any car through my streets and especially something the size of the Cybertruck. But I like to my naked eye, I would think, oh no, I think, I think I'm not going to make it. I'm not, I don't think I have the clearance. And then I would look 
down at the screen on that front bumper camera with the lines drawn on it. And it would show me like, oh no, I'm actually, I'm totally good. In fact, I can turn a little less. I can bring the squircle back a little bit and, and cruise right on through here, no problem. So that lower front bumper camera is, a, for me in, in San Francisco, a game changer. Because without it, I'm not sure I would feel comfortable driving it in my neighborhood. And thus I would have to, it would give me serious pause when considering purchasing one. But now, now that I've had this extraordinarily amazing privilege, thanks to the generosity of Emmett, to live with this thing in my neighborhood for three days, now I know, oh, the Cybertruck absolutely works in my neighborhood because of things like this lower front bumper camera and these awesome driving lines that show up on there. So again, as I said last week, Tesla, I know Elon is, is Mr. Delete the Part. Tesla needs to spend the money and put that lower front bumper camera on every single car. I know the other four Teslas are not nearly as large as the Cybertruck, but that lower front bumper camera with those guiding lines at under 10 miles an hour completely solves the parking sensor issue, the lack of parking sensors. It just, it fixes it entirely and gives you full confidence where you're going and allows you to see right in front of the lower front bumper of the car, like if you're going to hit a curb, you know, a, a parking, you know, the, the parking curb and a parking space, something like that. So uh, the that lower front bumper camera to me is in the top three or four best things about the truck. In fact, I made a list uh, and I'm going to give it to you right now. My top five things about the Cybertruck, number one, and these are in order, by the way, number one, is the HFS. It is the hard freaking stainless. Not only do I have the sentimental connection to stainless steel, having owned a DeLorean for a long time as my dream car from when I was a kid, but on the Cybertruck, the fact that it is the HFS alloy, it cannot, or it, you know, it is highly ding and dent resistant. It is, you, you know, you can park it anywhere. You don't have to worry about being in a tight spot and somebody next to you carelessly flinging their door open and smacking it into yours and causing a door ding. That entire voice in my head is just goes quiet when it, when HFS is involved. And that that's huge. So that's still number one for me, factoring in again, all the stainless bits as a, for me personally. Number two on my top five best things about the Cybertruck is absolutely steer by wire. Number three is that front bumper camera with the driving lines. Number four is the rear wheel steering, which as I noted a moment ago, is only going to get better. It's going to turn more and allow an even tighter turning radius before too long. And number five on this top five is maybe a little bit of a cheat because it's not anything specific, but I'm going with overall driving feel. So. I'm combining steer by wire, the horsepower. Yes, even in the the dual motor. I'm not even. I haven't even driven the Cyber Beast. That after driving the dual motor, the thought of the Cyber Beast is almost terrifying. Uh, 2.6 second to 60. I mean the 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 dual motor again. It it's not my car. My Model Three performance is clearly 
obviously zippier. Like when I got back in my car after after returning the Cybertruck to Emmett, I I purposely pulled out to a little quiet spot and just hammered it for a second. Like I didn't go up to 60, but I just just got on the pedal and I was like, oh yeah, no, my car, the Model 3 performance still clearly and noticeably quicker than the dual motor Cybertruck. You know, it's a, it's a it's listed as a difference of one second, which in zero to 60 parlance is a lot, but the, the Cybertruck still moves. The dual motor Cybertruck is no joke. So um, that overall driving feel, steer by wire, power, smoothness, the air suspension, which my Model 3 performance doesn't have, seat comfort, very comfortable seats with the ventilation, which, yeah, I know the new Model 3's got the ventilation too. And then... Uh, that giant windshield to look out of. Is it Model X good with that windshield? No, because there is, you, you can't just look straight up like you can in the Model X and, and have the kind of helicopter windshield view. But you still have a really large, pronounced, awesome greenhouse in the Cybertruck where you can see a lot. You can see a lot of sky and out in front of you, and it's really cool, so... That's my top five best things about the Cybertruck. Now, the next thing I want to address, and wow, I've been talking for 20 minutes already. I guess this is just going to be a long episode, and so be it. The the button turn signals, the steering wheel mounted turn signal buttons. So they are clicky buttons now, which they were not in the new Model S and Model X. So I'm not going to, compared to those because I've only spent a little bit of time in the the new S and X with those haptic haptic button uh, turn signal buttons. But in the Cybertruck, it is a clicky button and uh, those using those turn signals and not having a stalk for the turn signals, it is a complete and total non-issue. I cannot emphasize this enough. I have seen so much worry online and consternation about the lack of stalks in in this car and the new Model 3 and, oh no, I don't want one without stalks. And again, this is my, my experience, my opinion. You may completely hate the lack of stalks and that's, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to tell you what your experience should be. I'm just telling you what my experience was. I, I've been driving with stalks my entire driving life, which is now, I don't know, 30, how old am I? Like 25 plus years of driving now. So uh, I adapted to the, the, the turn signal buttons on the Squircle very quickly, and it, it just was never a problem. Um, with, the, with the gear shifting being on the screen, Okay, that's still not a problem. I still have no issue about it, but I will say, all right, doing doing multi-point turns, like a three-point turn uh, with with the screen-based shifting is, is definitely a little slower in the Cybertruck and any Tesla with the, you know, the screen-based gear shifting than it is when you're just, when you can just quickly slam a stock up to get to reverse, slam it back down to get to reverse, and just go, but with the turn signals, it's just not a problem. So the right turn signal 
is a bit closer to the center of the squircle, which mimics how you'd you know press up on a stalk to turn right, kind of pushing it up towards the center of the steering wheel. And the left turn signal button naturally is below the right one and a bit further away from the center of the squircle. Again, kind of indicating that when you would press down on a traditional turn signal stalk to, uh, to, to indicate a left turn. So I got used to it extremely quickly. And I'll add as well that because autopilot and FSD are not enabled at all on any Cybertruck yet, I did I did all manual driving and thus I did, well, the tra- traffic adaptive cruise control is there, but all that's doing is holding your speed and keeping you distant, you know, from the car in front of you. You still have to do all your own turn signaling to change lanes and whatnot. So I did a lot of manual turn signal initiation Now, since Tesla turn signals auto cancel now after you complete a turn or a lane change, you only ever really have to worry about turning them on with the button on the squircle. You very rarely have to turn them off yourself by pressing the button again. So in my humble opinion, if you're thinking of buying a Cybertruck or a new Model 3, or of course, for that matter, an S or an X, I just would not even worry in the slightest about the lack of stalks. The the turn signal situation was totally natural, totally fine. I never once hit the wrong signal. I never once hit right when I meant left or vice versa. So just that was a really pleasant surprise. Because again, I, I think people's skepticism without having driven it is justified. You think, well, wait a second. This is a this is a, a a solution in search of a problem, right? Like I get that. I don't disagree with that. But I do think what Tesla has done on the Cybertruck with those turn signal buttons, it just is totally natural. Works great. You don't think about it. It's no problem. Next up, the sound system. You may have heard about it. It is awesome. Uh, I can certainly justify, I can certainly, I should say, uh, back that up, back up those, those assertions. You can definitely hear and feel the second subwoofer that the Cybertruck has that my 2018 Model 3 does not have. It is a very awesome, rich, full-throated sound system. It definitely is really, really good. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is, well, it's not like a part of the truck and it is something that might go away in time, but it's something that I feel very, very grateful to have experienced at this moment in time. And I hope that all of you that are planning to get a cyber truck get to experience this as well. And that is the absolute joy on people's faces. I am not exaggerating. Again, I know you're sick of hearing me talk about it, but I lived this for 12 years with my DeLorean, where it's this rare thing that people remember and 99% of those people love from this beloved trilogy of movies that are part of Americana, part of American pop culture. And people would smile 
They would wave. They would take pictures when I, when they saw the DeLorean and the same thing happens to the Cybertruck. If people exhibited a physical reaction to the Cybertruck as I was driving it, whether it was a, uh, smile from across the street or a wave or a thumbs up, whatever it was, it was 95% positive. And I would say the other 5% weren't negative. They were just, they would have this look of confusion. Like what's that? Now I'm not saying that there's no one in the real world who dislikes the look of this truck. But what I am saying is that my three day experience just reaffirmed something that honestly, and I won't get into this now because it's not relevant to ride the lightning, but I've been thinking a lot about this lately with my day job. And that is that the online world, social media is just not the real world at all. It's like a funhouse mirror reflection of the real world that distorts everything in a way that's not genuine and not real. People online, if you spend any amount of time in Tesla circles online, you've probably seen that people on the internet, particularly on social media, are pretty quick to throw out a lot of hate for the Cybertruck. But again, in my experience over three days and a couple hundred miles driving all over the place, it is an entirely different story in real life. People were just stoked to see the Cybertruck. I, I, when I, I would hear kids yell, Cybertruck! And it was just, it's awesome. And, you, and something else I'll say as well, and that is, uh, and this is different than, than the DeLorean. So I would jokingly tell my wife when she would ask, I don't know, whenever it would, well, let's be real, I would bring it up somehow. Uh, somehow I'm bringing up the DeLorean. She would never bring up the DeLorean, but the DeLorean was kind of a sausage party. Uh, and of course, by that, I mean the people that paid attention to the DeLorean. Now, again, it was all happy, joyous, like waves and thumbs ups and pictures and, and, and you know, polite questions and things. It was all guys. The Cybertruck, to my surprise, women were there were just as many women that were that were smiling, that were waving, that were asking about it, that were taking pictures on their phone. Like it was great. Like it's, it's crazy to me that the, the Cybertruck it's, it just cuts across genders. It cuts across age groups. Again, it went from kids on up to the, to the senior citizen woman that I told you about last week when I had first met up with Moz down in, in Los Angeles. So the, the absolute joy that the, the Cybertruck, that seeing the Cybertruck in the real world brought to people, it was just awesome. It was just awesome. And I'm so grateful to have, to have gotten to experience that because, you know, the DeLorean is going to forever get that because there were only 9,000 of them to begin with. There are only approximately 6,000 of them left. Those 6,000 aren't exactly on the streets on a daily basis. The Cybertruck is going to be normalized eventually, given that the, the the production run rate of 20, excuse me, 250,000 trucks that Tesla is going to ramp up to on an annual basis, they're just going to be a fairly common thing. Maybe not everywhere, 
but certainly in California and in a lot of places. So it was it was really special to get to experience it here at the beginning, where for a lot of those people that were excited to see it, it was the first time that they'd seen one in real life. In fact, I would go so far as to say that Elon Musk and Franz von Holzhausen, who are the two principles in the design of this thing. I mean, it's it's Franz's truck, but it's, you know, Elon went totally embraced it and said, you know, yes, this is what we're doing. It is, it is a Franz truck, don't get me wrong, but I think the, the two of them get a lot of credit. And I, and I would go so far as to say that Elon and Franz are the modern day Steve Jobs and Johnny Ive in terms of creating amazing products that seem insane, but then they those two guys prove everyone wrong. And in fact, it turns out everybody that was skeptical or dismissive Everybody wants those products, but they just didn't know they needed them until these visionary people created those products. Let me get to a few final points because this is, I honestly did not think I would talk this long about it. uh, And I've still got more I want to say. Again, I guess this will just be a long episode. It's fine. It's no problem. You can, it's, you can pause anytime you like. That's the beauty of a podcast. So, um, the let me get to some negatives here. The lack of a camera washer on the rear camera is quite probably a huge mistake. And I say probably because I was very lucky that I had great weather over the weekend that I had the truck, which was a far cry from the previous weekend where it poured the whole time. I had great weather, but if there is rain, if there is snow, if there's mud, etc., your rear view mirror, in air quotes, is probably going to be almost useless. Because again, I told you last week, with the tonneau cover closed, your, your, your only rear visibility is through that rear camera, which docks itself in a, in a you know, long, horizontal, rectangular shape at the very top of your center touchscreen. So... It just seems like that camera probably needs a, a washer built into it the same way that the lower front bumper camera has one that you can just press the button and spritz it clean anytime you want. So I'm very concerned about that rear camera. The headlights, as I said last week, are a big complaint. Visibility is... Uh, and, and again, I acknowledge maybe it's a headlight aiming issue, not a headlight issue itself, but my experience is not that I couldn't see. It's just that the headlights weren't super bright and it feels like they just should have been a heck of a lot brighter for a next generation bleeding edge technology, brand new vehicle from a bleeding edge tech company like Tesla. So um, in some way, somehow, whether it's hardware or just or or aiming them better out of the factory, I think the headlights are a problem and need some amount of work. Uh, visibility, as I mentioned last week, it is all it's tough, particularly the, the A pillars in your <laughs> your triangle that you're sitting in. The the A pillar visibility is tough, uh, but. The rest of the tough angles on the truck 
are very, very, very well taken care of by the Hardware 4 cameras, which, again, from me, uh, have owning a Hardware 3 car, the Hardware 4 cameras are just so much crisper and clearer because they're way, way higher resolution than the Hardware 3 cameras are. The frunk. It is bigger than other Tesla frunks, and the fact that it's powered, yes, makes a huge difference in usability, but I'm not sure how ultimately usable it's going to be, at least for me, because uh, I, I made a grocery run, as I mentioned earlier, and my I, I try to kind of get one, you know, I do my, like, one big weekly run for the family's groceries, and that usually amounts to four, sometimes five, sometimes three bags of groceries, and just with the way the angle is, I, I don't think that, uh, and the Emmett already had some stuff in the front, so I didn't want to mess with it. So I didn't, I just put my groceries actually in the, in the second row on the floor because I was by myself. Um, I was going to put them in the bed, but the way I'd parked, I, I couldn't actually get around back there. Anyway, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I, so the front, I'm a, I'm a little concerned of, of its ultimate usability, but it is awesome that it's powered and that it is a, you know, it's a decent size. It's bigger than other Tesla fronks. When I supercharged it before I brought it back to Emmett, I I thought, oh, I'm just going to do the thing I've seen in other YouTube videos. Because it was a nice day out. As I said, it wasn't raining at all. It was pretty nice. It was sunny. I opened the frunk and then I just sat in there using it as a bench with the, with the, the you know, the, the front of the, the actual can't, what would it be called? Like just the front end of the truck that's opened up the clamshell just hanging over me like a canopy. So that was kind of neat. I, I did like that. You can do some frunk gating at, at football games or what have you in your cyber truck. Uh, next, getting back in my car after three days and a couple hundred miles in the cyber truck. As expected, it felt weird. It felt like I was sitting on the ground, which even though I've been driving that car for five and a half years, 60,000 miles, it felt, it felt very strange. It suddenly felt like I was sitting on the ground, which if you ever have the privilege of driving the original Tesla Roadster, that's how that car feels. It's like you're sitting on the ground, uh, and that's, that's what it felt like getting back into my Model 3. Um, I will say that my car still drove great, mostly, aside from the steer-by-wire the lack of steer-by-wire situation. But I will say that as soon as I got back in my car, like I opened the driver's door and sat down, my first like completely involuntary thought was, ooh, it feels old in here. Now then again, I have a 2018, and I just got out of a 2024 Cybertruck, and not only that, all the Teslas have upgraded interiors compared to mine at this point, even the Model Y has a mostly similar interior, but the center console is much, much nicer with that integrated uh, wireless charging for the phones. So again, more of a me thing right there because I have a 2018, but, but that was the first thought was, ooh, it feels old in here. Uh, so next, I will say 
if you want to feel awesome, <laughs> buy this truck. And and I know that's like a cheeky, you know, might seem like I'm joking. And I kind of am, but I had a couple different people, one of my neighbors and then like some random person say, one person said, oh, that, oh, is my neighbor. My neighbor said, oh, it's, it's, it's so you, which, which made me feel really good. And then a random person said, you look good in it. And, uh, and, it, and I was like, yes, okay, this is, this is positive affirmation. I like this. So yeah, it's, uh, it is, it definitely was a, a treat. It was an experience. Now, of course, I didn't do any towing with with uh, the Cybertruck that didn't belong to me. As I've told you, I am going to be a complete poser if I buy this truck. I have no intention of towing anything ever. It's just not something I ever see myself doing. So I, if you want to know about towing in the Cybertruck, there are plenty of YouTube videos out there about that that you can that you can dig into. In my hands, and I told my wife this, it's the Cybertruck is a giant SUV and I'm completely fine with that. But certainly based on the videos that I've, I mean, I've watched those towing videos with the Cybertruck on YouTube. It towing does seem like one of the genuine weaknesses of not just this truck, but all EV trucks for now, because it's such a range hit, you know, it's a 50 plus percent range hit. So, that's where that inability or or unwill, let's call it an unwillingness or inability of Tesla to hit 500 miles of range in the Cybertruck, that's where it really hurts is in the towing department. So um, just something to be, you know, it's it can tow, it has the power to tow a lot of weight. It just doesn't, the battery technology in all EVs is not such that you're going to be able to tow it super, super far, as far as you'd probably like to. Uh, the spouse factor. So this is the last thing, and I'll get, to, and then I'll give you my final, final conclusion here. The spouse factor on the Cybertruck, and it's obviously I'm only talking about my spouse. Your everybody's situation is different, but I've told you all about how my wife or and I are very much in this thing together, we're replacing her car. This is not a replacement for my car. So she abs- she not only has a say in it because of that, but she has an equal say in it because it's a huge financial decision for the, for the household, right? So this is a, this is not something that, that we are in a position to take lightly. And that's the case with any, any car that we would, we would be purchasing. And so, uh, I am, very thrilled to tell you that my wife genuinely loved it, which I'm going to be honest with you, that was a little bit of a surprise because I thought that at best, because you, I've told you a million times and she would be the first to tell you this. She's not a car person at all. Uh, and that's, that's not a, I'm not criticizing her. I just, that's just not everybody's into cars. She's one of those people that doesn't really care about cars. I thought at best she would be indifferent. But when I asked her point blank, I said, be honest with me. She said she loved the ride, how smooth it was. She loved the seats. She thought they were very comfortable because uh, I've probably said this on the podcast before. She doesn't like the headrests on my Model 3. 
Like she, when, when we're coming back from somewhere, she'll often, you know, if it's, if it's at night, she'll tend to want to kind of relax and sometimes nod off a little bit. And just, she doesn't like the way and just with her neck. And again, it's, it's, it's her body, her ergonomics, your mileage may vary, but she has not, she doesn't love my model three seats, even though like I do, I, I actually am very comfortable in my model three seats, but it's that headrest specifically that she was really, uh, that's her big beef with the model three seats. But I, so I said to her, I was like, I said specifically, well, how, how are the, how do you like the headrests? Since I know you don't care for them in the model three. And she kind of put her back, her head back up against a little bit. And she's like, Oh no, they're better. They're better than the, the model three. And if you look at pictures of them, you can see the shape. They do kind of have like a little ergonomic shelf built into them that the Model 3 seats do not. So I expect that Franz and the design team, that my wife was not the only person that they got that feedback from, and they they took that into account for the Cybertruck seats. But um, but yeah, the smoothness of the ride, which I think the air suspension has a lot to do with, certainly so does the fact that there's just so much more sidewall in the tires. You know, my car's a Model 3 performance. It's, it's driving around on rubber bands, you know, low-profile 20-inch... <laughs> wheels. So, um, and, and when I, here's the kicker, I point blank asked her if the, I said, does the thought of driving this, if we were to get it, does the thought of driving this horrify you or are you open to it? And without hesitation, she, she said, I'm open to it, which again, big surprise. Uh, And, and she specifically cited as a reason all of the cameras, including that crucial lower front bumper camera that she watched in action with those driving lines on it as we were you know, coming up through our neighborhood that, that really help you get through those tight spaces confidently. And so uh, then when I asked her again after I'd returned it for her overall thoughts, she said, and I quote, I really liked it. It was really fun. So with that, I am heavily leaning towards buying it at this point. In fact, I, I would say I'm pretty convinced. Now, I do want to see what the new Performance Model 3 looks like. I want to see what it can do. I want to see how much it costs in the configuration I would want it in, and then I want to drive it. After that, I will compare all those numbers, including the uh, Immaculate Reflections detailing services, that an ultra red Highland Model 3 performance would would uh, need, and I'm using need in air quotes because it's my need because I'm I'm OCD about this stuff versus the zero dollars of detailing that the stainless steel Cybertruck would need, and I'll compare all that stuff uh, and see where I land. But the arrow for me is pointing pretty firmly at the Cybertruck right now for all the reasons that I just went through over the last, oh my goodness, 46 minutes, but also in part because for me and for us, a Cybertruck would complement the Model 3, whereas a second Model 3 performance wouldn't functionally do anything different for us. It'd just do everything that my Performance 3 does now, but do so prettier and do so perhaps a bit better. So there is that as well. It's just like how you know, a lot of households, a lot of you have a three and a Y 
because those are complementary vehicles. It makes sense. Those two vehicles in a household make a lot of sense together. And so a three and a Cybertruck, same thing, would make, I think, a lot of sense. They would complement each other very, very well. All right, before I get to the Tesla news, I, I cannot believe that I went on for 47 minutes. I thought maybe 20 minutes tops is what that segment would be. I always underestimate that stuff. I, uh, I, I have the... I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse of being able to just just talk talk at length about these subjects that I'm passionate about. And I'm certainly passionate about the Cybertruck after being blessed to have that, that three-day uh, test drive with it. Let me, real quick here, remind you that Ride the Lightning is brought to you in part this week by the Climate Exchange Raffle. I first mentioned this last week. And it is coming up quickly. So these folks have sponsored the podcast in years past. They have returned with uh, with a good deal for you here. Time's running out. This is their eighth annual EV raffle. You now only have just a week or two here left to buy tickets. This raffle is the real deal. It's for a small nonprofit that is doing really important work to help our planet. And their grand prize winner gets their pick of a fully customized EV. It's not just some stealth gray, black interior, no options, you know, Model S. Or you get to pick. You pick whatever you want. Fully customized EV from any manufacturer. You're probably going to choose a Tesla since you're listening to a Tesla podcast. I would. Uh, that's valued up to $112,000, which not coincidentally is the price of a fully loaded Model S or X plaid. Uh, plus, Climate Exchange also, if you were to win, pays all of the fees and taxes on the car, meaning that if you win, you will not be stuck with any out-of-pocket costs. In fact, Climate Exchange is even throwing in an extra $5,000 to help you install a home charger or to just use out on the road. Ticket sales end on February 27th, but... They might sell out sooner, which the Climate Exchange folks tell me has been exactly what's happened the past three years. So act now. Do not miss out on getting your tickets. And no matter what, your purchase is still going towards a great cause as Climate Exchange is a nonprofit working hard to help states pass climate-friendly policies. You can buy tickets at carbonraffle.org or better yet, easier yet, just click the link in the description of this podcast. That's carbonraffle.org, C-A-R-B-O-N-R-A-F-F-L-E.org, or click the link in the episode description, and I truly hope that one of you listening wins that grand prize. Also this week, Ride the Lightning brought to you in part by my friends at Accelerate Auto, who offer the excellent X-Care extended warranty coverage for your Tesla up to 10 years, up to 125,000 miles on top of the five-year or 50,000-mile, excuse me, four-year or 50,000-mile warranty that every new Tesla gets. And you can customize it. If you want to go an extra three years, extra five, extra seven, extra 10, whatever works for you. Same thing on the mileage, no problem. They also uh, offer... 24-7 roadside assistance. It's a $100 deductible, and they offer rental reimbursement and trip interruption coverage, which Tesla, 
with their fixed two-year 25,000-mile extended service plan does not. So check them out. See which plan is right for you. Go design a plan that's right for you. Go to accelerateauto.com slash xcare. That's X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O dot com slash X-C-A-R-E. And if you do decide to purchase a policy, don't forget to use the discount code LIGHTNING for $100 off your purchase. That's LIGHTNING for $100 off your purchase at accelerateauto.com slash xcare. Okay, before I get to the rest of the Tesla news this week, or I guess any of it, since I've been talking Cybertruck the whole time, I just want to mention that I hope all of you very generously backing me at that $10 per month tier or higher on my Patreon, which is found at patreon.com slash Podcast. I hope all of you enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode that I do exclusively for the $10 and up tier on Patreon. This one was Valentine's Day themed. I recorded it and released it on Valentine's Day, and it was... 10 things I love about Tesla, both the company and the cars. So I hope you'll enjoy that. I had, I had fun writing that down and uh, writing it all out and recording it. And hopefully you enjoyed that one. So if you'd like to hear that uh, and back me on Patreon in the process, I'd be humbled and grateful if you'd choose to do so. You'd not only get access to that lightning round episode, uh, there are 84 three other ones, 80-something other episodes up there for you on Patreon. And of course, you'd also get early access to each week's episode if you're backing me at that $10 per month tier on Patreon as well. So check it out if you feel like I've earned your support. That is the way that you can show it. That is through the Patreon found at patreon.com slash Podcast. I also have the 10% discount If you are so kind as to choose the annual pledge, the pay once to support for an entire year, you'll get a 10% discount if you do that. There is also the seven-day free trial that Patreon recently enabled. So that is attached to that $10 per month tier. So if you want to just see what it's like without actually having to commit any money, you can do that through the free seven-day trial. Okay. Tesla this week is telling its sales staff to tell customers that there will be no Model Y refresh this year. So a communication was sent out from corporate to the sales teams that said, quote, Model Y refresh talking points. And then we heard your feedback that some customers are waiting to place their Model Y order as they anticipate a refresh similar to the Model 3. It is important that we communicate transparently that there is no refresh for Model Y launching this year. End quote. Well, sure, they're right. There's no Model Y refresh launching this year. In North America, it will most likely follow the same pattern as I've already talked about as the Highland project did last year. We'll probably see it unveiled in Q3 in Europe and or, or excuse me, in China and or Europe with first deliveries in China and or Europe shortly thereafter in Q4, followed by a North American launch sometime in early 2025. But it's, it's interesting to see that enough customers have 
have raised the issue, have mentioned it to salespeople that word has gotten back up the chain and they've actually sent out a, a messaging guideline on this. And, you know, the, it, it, that is what it is, right? It's like, if you listen to this podcast, you follow things closely enough, you know, we're looking at about one year from now, like best case scenario probably is that the Juniper, which is of course the code name for the Model Y refresh, debuts here in North America in 11 months from now. Uh, could be 12, could be 13, but it's you know roughly a year from now, give or take. So what this got me thinking about was that Tesla is really in the middle of quite a busy and impressive stretch of product launches when you think about it. Let me, let me just walk you through this real quick. In September, the new Model 3 was announced and launched outside of North America. In November, here in North America, the Cybertruck was launched. In January, one month ago, the new Model 3 launched here in North America. In March, in, you know, in about six to eight weeks from right now, probably, don't take my word for it because it is just a best guess based on the previous reports that I told you about on one or two podcasts ago, but in, in roughly March of this year, the new Model 3 Performance will be announced and launched. And when you take all of that, that that's really quite a six-month stretch for Tesla. And if you want to extend that out to a year, then you can pretty well fold in the unveiling and initial launch in, again, probably China and or Europe of the new Model Y as well. So lots going on. Tesla is, is getting things done. My goodness, what, what a busy stretch for them. Uh, and it, we are the beneficiaries. We're seeing all these cool new products and re refreshed products hitting uh, our driveways. This week's Patreon poll, which again, you can vote on every week and you don't have to be backing me on Patreon. The, the poll is open to everybody. Just again, go to patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Typically the poll goes up on Tuesday evenings. And this week's question was on this subject. And the question asked, are you waiting for the Project Juniper Model Y refresh before buying a Model Y? 49% of you said, I'm not planning on buying a Model Y, refresh or not. So probably a lot of Cybertruck customers in there. A lot of you waiting for Cybertruck. Maybe some of you are going to go with the three, some S, some X, of course. But uh, the next most common answer was 32%. A full third of you that voted in this said, yes, I can wait for the refresh. So that's a, that's a substantial chunk of voters who said, yeah, I'm absolutely going to wait for, for the Juniper. And then from there, it was just single digit percentages on, uh, on these other three, which were other and then undecided and no, I might buy this year while the $7,500 tax credit is guaranteed and given at point of sale. So interesting results in this week's Patreon poll. Again, vote every week on patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. You do not have to be backing me on Patreon in order to vote. Next up this week, the NACS coalition report is back for perhaps the final time. 
I first saw this on the Tesla Motors Reddit, which had linked out to the announcement written up on a website that was new, I had never heard of, but it was called breakingthenews.net, who wrote, Stellantis announced that it will adopt the upcoming J3400 connector for its electric vehicles in the United States from 2025, quote, starting with select models. The J3400 is a charging connector standard by SAE International based on the North American charging standard connector developed by Tesla. Quote, today's announcement builds upon the IONNA charging network joint venture announced in June of 2023. Stellantis has joined with six other world-leading automakers to develop a high-powered charging network with at least 30,000 charge points in urban and highway locations across North America by 2030, the company said. Stellantis added it will also make adapters available for vehicles fitted with the CCS port during the transition period. I thought it was funny that uh, of of every single NACS announcement, this is the only one that never mentioned Tesla by name. The website, breakingthenews.net did, but Stellantis did not. Is there some animosity going on between Stellantis and Tesla that we don't know about? Am I the cause of it because I've badmouthed Stellantis over and over on this podcast saying that I don't think they have any EV plan and that I think that they might be the the first major automaker to be to be left for dead and to go bankrupt because of the, their inability to transition to electric. I don't know. I'm I'm sure it's not me, though I am definitely guilty of calling them out a lot. But I, I did just find it interesting that they referred to it as the J3400 SAE standard rather than Tesla's NACS. I don't know. If I were them, I would use Tesla's name as every other car company has done because you'd want to be saying to your customers, yes, we're going to use the Tesla connector and the Tesla superchargers that are everywhere, right? Like You would think you would want to make it pretty clear to your customers, both current, future, and potential, that yes, we're going to go with the one that's everywhere that you've already heard about, but... Anyway, um, only the minnows in the pond remain now. There are no more big fish holdouts with regard to NACS. Now, maybe it's disrespectful to Mazda to call them a minnow, but what do they even have going on in the EV space? When was the last time anybody thought about Mazda and EVs? To my knowledge, they have one sort of smallish SUV that has a like laughably not great range. I remember my mom told me about it. My mom watches Wheel of Fortune religiously and has for decades. And so she'll tell me if there's like a, sometimes there's a Tesla as a prize. Same thing, Price is Right. She's a, same thing. She's a huge Price is Right fan going back many, many decades. She she even went out there once and and to you know was in the studio audience try you know of course hoping to get on the show she would have killed she would have absolutely won whatever the prize was on that show anyway um i think she should go back she's retired what else she should go anyway um so one time 
she was telling me like, oh yeah, it was a Mazda electric. And I, and I, and I literally said to her, I was like, I don't think they have, are you sure it wasn't like a plug-in hybrid? And she's like, no, I don't think so. So I had to Google it. In fact, I'd have to Google it now. I'm not going to bother because this podcast is already going on for an eternity. But yeah, they have, they have a, you know, their, their cars are basically all alphanumeric model names. So it was some alphanumeric little SUV that, that had like a 150 mile range battery or something as a full BEV. Anyway, um, so yeah, it, I'm not aware of anything at Stellantis that's, that is a full BEV. They've, they've definitely got plug-in hybrids at Stellantis, but do they have any <laughs> proper BEVs? I, I guess they must have something somewhere in the company that's maybe out, maybe not at Dodge, Dodge or Chrysler, but, um, so yeah, only, only those minnows in the pond remain. Um, Mazda has not signed on. Again, when I think of Mazda, I think of their beautiful, beautiful crystal soul red paint. That is literally the first thing when I think about Mazda. Like, well, and then probably the second thing is the Miata, right? Which isn't an alphanumeric name. So maybe maybe a coincidence on that. I, or I should say maybe not a coincidence on that. But um, And of course, crystal soul red, that beautiful Mazda color, is basically what ultra red was going for and, and succeeded at... Um, Franz von Holzhausen, of course, used to be a designer at Mazda. So, for what, maybe not a coincidence that they're now doing ultra red paint that looks a lot like Crystal Soul Red. So, the point is here, the biggest automakers have all now signed on. NACS has won. I mean, it had already won before Stellantis, but it's over. It's, it's all officially done and over with now, and this is great. This is great for... All EV customers, present and future, it's important for the EV movement. This is a good thing. Next up, this next one, whether or not you think this is a good thing, is up to you. It's going to be in the eye of the beholder here. Getting back to Cybertruck for just a minute, if you really want your Cybertruck and you're willing to pay the $20,000 Foundation Series premium but you didn't make your reservations super early and thus you're sitting around in line hoping that Tesla eventually gets to you and you get a chance to just buy one at, as soon as you possibly can, even if it's a foundation series, well, you've now got a chance to cut that line. It will cost you three referrals. You must successfully refer Three people, those three people must take delivery and in re- you will get 30,000 loot box credits for that. And you can redeem those 30,000 loot box credits for something that just got added to the loot box, which is accelerate your Cybertruck delivery. And let me just read you the quick text from it. And it reads, redeem referral credits to accelerate your Cybertruck delivery. Be invited to configure and take delivery of your Foundation Series all-wheel drive or Cyberbeast within 45 days of redemption. If you miss your chance to claim, check back later. Additional accelerated deliveries will be added. 
Limit one per Tesla account, non-transferable, must already have a Cybertruck reservation. Redemption does not provide a free Cybertruck or the required upgrade to a foundation series of $20,000. Limited quantity available, US only on that. So I have to think here, and I'm not trying to be negative, but if they're doing that, they're probably not getting a lot of takers. Or I should maybe I should rephrase that. Perhaps their take rate on the Foundation Series Cybertrucks is lower than they anticipated. Let me. I think maybe that's a fairer way to phrase that. I mean, it, it, if I'm right about that, it does kind of make sense, though, right? Like, why not let any super fans who didn't jump on board with a reservation right away, but have since you know, gotten, gotten way into it and are super psyched and ready to go and want to give you the money and want to buy it. Why not let them move up the line if they've referred three people? But again, if, if Tesla had tons of foundation series orders in the queue, I'm guessing they wouldn't feel any need or desire to offer this at all. So we'll see. I mean, uh, that the big question that I've, I've been floating over and over again is, Will Tesla go through the entire reservation queue to see who's willing to bite on the foundation series? That's what I've predicted. That's what I I think is going to happen and is happening. We'll see. So stay tuned on that. Finally this week. Oh no, sorry. I have two more things. told you it's busy show. The new world's largest supercharger is incoming and it's going to blow away the current record. I saw this on the Tesla Motors Reddit, but the ultimate source here is somebody that I've mentioned here before, ex-user Marco RP. Marco is certainly the all-seeing eye when it comes to new supercharger activity anywhere in North America. So he posted photos of the plans and the permits because it's all public record stuff and he just digs it up. He's a, he's awesome like that. So he posted the plans, the permits, along with this message. He wrote, the world's new largest supercharger is coming soon to Kern County, California. By my count, 164 charging stalls are planned as part of a new microgrid project off of Interstate 5 near Lost Hills. The site will include 16 pull-through chargers and solar canopies above every parking stall. Thank you, Marco, for shedding the light on that. Now, for a bit of perspective here, on when you when you hear the number 164 charging stalls, first of all, just picture that in your head for a second. 164 charging stalls. That's a that's just like a lot of parking space. That's like a lot of cars. That's that's a lot of cars. So uh, Kettleman City just a few years ago was the crown jewel. I'd argue it still is thanks to its amazing lounge that I highly encourage you to visit if you're ever driving from San Francisco to Los Angeles or vice versa. But just a few years ago, Kettleman City and its 40 stalls was mind-blowing. It's like, whoa, 40. That's crazy. And then a couple of years ago, just up the interstate from Kettleman City in Central California, we got Firebaugh, which I've been to, 
That one's got 56 stalls. This one is 164, or uh, again, I'm a journalist, so math is not my strong suit, but I do believe 164 is over four times as many stalls as Kettleman City, at least the main Kettleman City when it first opened, because now there's a giant lot next door, which I haven't been to yet at Kettleman City that's got like, I don't know, 60 or something more chargers. But in any case, uh, it's big. 164 is, is a lot. So this is near Bakersfield as you get towards Los Angeles and the southern part of California. And this boy, this is just super cool. I hope that it's going to have some kind of facilities and or services on site being so large. Restrooms would be top of that list. More interestingly, I'm curious if it's going to be V4s on this one, V4 chargers. I mean, Tesla's put up a few V4s, literally just a few stations so far. And this being such a massive project in a high traffic area, so many, so many Teslas go back and forth between San Francisco and Los Angeles. And we've got to throw San Diego, Sacramento in there too. I would guess that Tesla would want to future-proof this station as much as possible. If they're going to go to the trouble of building a 164-stall station and V4 is out, why wouldn't you do V4s? So hopefully that's going to be the case. Once we find that out, I will update this. I will mention it on the podcast once we do learn more. Also... Having 16 pull-through chargers at least means that if you are towing with your Cybertruck, you'll be able to supercharge pretty easily, which, again, would be all the more reason for these to be V4s. Maybe at least the 16 pull-throughs could be V4s, if not all 164. But that way, those, you know, those pull-throughs, are if they're V4s, they can juice up the Cybertrucks as quickly as possible. Uh, Once this is online, just for a little bit of context here, once this happens, once it's done and online, the Interstate 5 corridor between San Francisco and Los Angeles will have the following. 100 total stalls at Tejon Ranch, 96 total at Kettleman City, 98 at Harris Ranch, 56 at Fireball, 48 at Santanella, and then 164 at Kern County. And by my math, if I've got this right, that is 562 stalls just at those six stations. I'm not even, I'm in this list, that that 562, I'm not even including the number of smaller stations along that same corridor, like Buttonwillow, Patterson, and others. So that's just those mega stations, those big old superchargers. That's a lot of stalls. But of course, as we all know, Tesla needs to do this. This is good. They need this to happen because they've got to stay ahead of the curve as the Tesla fleet continues to grow more and more rapidly. Think about it this way. In one year from right now, which I presume by then, this 164 stall supercharger is online. But in one year from right now, there will be approximately 2 million additional Teslas on the road than there are right now. 
2 million more cars than right now. That's a lot because there's already a lot on the road today. Now, California will get a lot of those, certainly. That's just Tesla's, there's a lot of Teslas in California relative to other places. And we will no doubt see more and more huge supercharging stations go up around the United States, not just California. Although to end on one final California-centric point, I will say hopefully that Hollywood diner and drive-in supercharger is going to open in just two or three months now as well. That's that's moving along. That's going to be super cool when that opens. All right. Finally this week, if you are a, speaking of supercharging, if you're a road trip warrior, you love driving in your Tesla and visiting superchargers, well, guess what? You could win a prize from Tesla for doing so. Tesla's official charging, uh, the, the Tesla charging account on X posted this, quote, compete to win a charging prize by visiting the most supercharging sites over the next two months. Repeats don't count. Winners will be announced on March 31st. So initially, particularly after everything I got just got done telling you about all these giant supercharging stations in California, you might think that West Coast Tesla owners would have the advantage here, thanks to all of the aforementioned giant chargers. But when you go and look at the map on tesla.com slash supercharger, uh-uh, it's the Northeast. Just the same thing with population density, right? It's the same thing with superchargers. The Northeast clearly appears to have a geographically higher concentration of different supercharging stations. They might not be as big individually, like, you know, 56 stalls at Fireball or, you know, 96 total at Kettleman City, but there are more stations in the Northeast than there are out here in California. Fortunately, this says charging prizes, or excuse me, I should say it says charging prize, but it says winners, plural. So, That's good that it's not just going to be one person. And my guess is that the prize, the charging prize, is going to be free supercharging, maybe for a year, something like that. But I say it could also be a wall connector, perhaps as well. But my gut says it's going to be some amount of free supercharging. So if you're interested in trying to win, happy electric motoring out there and happy supercharging. All right, Uh, I'm going to do a few Ride the Lightning phone calls this week, so stay tuned for those right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning hotline, your chance to call in and possibly be featured here on the podcast. There are two easy ways to call in. One, you can use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, Record your question. Please try to keep that question to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many callers each week as possible. And then email that file to me at my podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question and just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number. Dial it anytime you like. And the number is one 888 989 
TSLA. Again, that's one 989 8752. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up is Chris from Chicago following up from Wes's call recently suggesting supercharger idle fees when you're unplugged but haven't left the spot. Go ahead, Chris. Hi, Ryan. Chris from Chicago again. Just wanted to follow up with a caller from last last week, Wes, uh, saying that there should be idle fees for people that unplug but stay in the charging stall. Um, it, I'm, I'm not sure about that particular driver's experience, but I will say my own experience, uh, I, I have incurred idle fees while doing the same thing. In my case was, it was an over, it was a supercharger uh, somewhere in the middle of, I don't know, Missouri or whatnot, but it was on a road trip. It was about 1 a.m. There was nobody else there, and I had a travel trailer. So rather than, you know, go and unhook everything and rehook everything back up, I just unplugged it and left the car there. Uh, I, you know, I, I know against better, uh, better etiquette, but I was playing the odds of not having a rush hour at 3 a.m., when we were ready to leave and you know when we were ready to leave yeah there was no there's nobody else there still but i noticed my car was uh the supercharging because i went to plug back in to top it off before i left and our supercharging had been disabled because of idle fees and i was like well that's crazy because per the at the time idle fees were only applying for stalls that, or uh, charging stations that were 50% occupied or more. I know they, they continually change what idle fees are and when they charge them, but I was very unhappy with being charged idle fees for a scenario that did not call for it. It was not busy. No one was waiting. I wasn't in anybody's way. Either way, I, you know, we're, we're all at the helm of what, what Tesla says or does uh, regarding things like that, so I just had to pay it so we could re-enable supercharging to continue on the rest of our trip. Uh, so just want to put my two cents in there for Wes. I'm sure other uh, listeners have the same sentiment. Thanks, Ryan. Right. Thank you, Chris. Well, I'll say this. I do not judge you for staying there at 3 a.m. And while I'm glad that it sounds like Tesla will, in fact, charge idle fees if you're unplugged but still in the charging stall, It sure sounds like you were done dirty on that one. I mean, if the station is, say, less than 25% full, maybe you shouldn't get charged an idle fee. But then again, maybe it's a blanket policy very intentionally, regardless of how full or empty the station is, just to try and make it crystal clear to everyone that they shouldn't do that ever, right? That's that's the only thing I can think of, trying to think about it from Tesla's perspective. So anyway, I'm sorry that you did get charged for it, but thank you very much for sharing your experience. Next is Scott from Rochester, New York. Thanks, Ryan. The four-year warranty on my Model 3 is about to expire, and I'd like to take my car into the local Tesla service center to get it checked out. Since you went through this process last year, what should I have him look at? Any advice is appreciated. Thanks. Back to you. Howdy, Scott. Well, I think I mentioned this at the time I was going through it last summer, but 
I would definitely have Tesla take a look at those upper control arms on a Model 3 because those are all but certain to get squeaky and creaky and need to be replaced on a four plus year old Model 3. Naturally, mine went out or got squeaky and creaky shortly after my factory warranty expired. Although I did when I was doing what you're about to do now of taking my car in one more time for an inspection before the warranty expires, I did have mine inspected and they were fine at the time. And then not long after that, they started squeaking and creaking. I mean, thankfully it doesn't affect the safety or the usability of the car at all. They're just annoyingly squeaky and creaky. And Tesla knows that. And thankfully the, uh, well, in my case, I had the X-Care extended warranty to help me out on that when the time came. Although I will say the, the cost of replacing them was surprisingly little for for being like a, a suspension job. I think I want to say it was like 200 bucks or just just under 200. So anyway, hopefully that is helpful to you. I would say the cabin air filter might be another good one to just have them check and potentially swap out. Honestly, those are the main two that I can think of off the top of my head from my experience last year. And if uh, if anything else comes up, well, I'll just mention it on another episode. So I hope your Model 3 has treated you well and will continue to do so. Thanks for calling in, Scott. One more call this week. It's from Charles in Los Angeles. Hello, Ryan. This is Charles from Los Angeles. Um, Long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm calling after listening to the um, lightning around uh, so close yet so far and feel like it's a disappointment for me as well, almost listening day in, day out, uh, the podcast and almost kind of like being excited for you to get your Cybertruck. So it's definitely um, sad to hear that. Um, I myself drive a Model S and would be excited for a new Model S that would potentially have all the new technical things that the Cybertruck has as the 48 volt system and potentially the steer by wire. Um, something uh, came up and I was wondering, um, I know that you potentially have the Roadster, the new Roadster because of a referral program. And um, thinking about this, I was just wondering if you uh, thought about reaching out to Tesla and potentially having them change the Roadster um, gift that you would have for a Foundation Series Cybertruck. Just a thought. Thank you for the podcast and the amazing work that you do. Bye-bye. Charles, thank you for your call and for those wondering. Charles is referring to a lightning round Patreon mini episode that I did a month or so back, maybe a little more. So it wasn't like a super recent one. It wasn't this week's, but it was about uh, the when I had come to the realization that I just could not afford the Foundation Series Cybertruck. Anyway, uh, Charles, I will say the thought that you present has occurred to me. And I'll tell you this, I bet a lot of the Roadster referral winners would take Tesla up on that. You would trade roughly half the value of the Roadster prize for a fully loaded version of any other Tesla car, including a Foundation Series Cyber Beast, delivered immediately. 
And I have to say, having thought through this, it would be tempting, but I've waited this long for the Roadster, and I know that someday it's gonna be real, and it's gonna be incredible, and I would not wanna miss out on that, because even if I still had one Roadster left of the two that I won, what would happen is I could not afford to pay the taxes on one of them without having the second one there to sell to cover the taxes. That's, that's what was so amazing about being lucky enough to win the second Roadster, of being able to sell one to cover the taxes on both, thus getting to be able to keep one of them free and clear. But my guess, and here's the, I'm, this is, I'm not trying to <clears throat> speak ill of anybody at Tesla, my guess here is that no one at Tesla is even thinking about the referral roadsters or the roadster in any way, shape, or form right now. Again, I don't mean that as a slight. That car is clearly so backburnered that it's just not even a thought for anybody at the company. They are focusing on the Cybertruck ramp. They are focusing on getting the Generation 3 $25,000 car into production and and off the ground. But but yeah, I'll tell you, if I had Elon's ear, and, and to be clear, I absolutely do not, I would pitch that, and I bet he'd even seriously consider it. I'm just not sure if I would take them up on it, though, even if it did become real, because quite frankly, the Roadster, for someone like me, is a, is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And if I were to trade it for a Cybertruck, well, you know what? A Cybertruck with enough saving, which is saving up, which is what I'm doing right now for the rest of 2024, I can save up and, and get a Cybertruck myself, uh, you know, with my, by my own means. A Roadster I would never be able to attain other, outside of this incredible bit of good fortune that, that I had to be in the right place at the right time with the referral program. But in any case... There you go. That's that's my two cents on that one. Thank you so much, Charles. Thank you to everybody that kindly took the time to call in. If uh, you still have a question on your mind that you'd like to call in with or some discussion topic, something that you heard me talk about, I would love to hear from you. And you can call in in either of those two easy ways. I gave you the instructions for those at the top of the podcast. So refer back to that. It's also in the description, the episode description as well. Stick with me. I'm not quite done yet. I'm going to give you your pro tip of the week and a bit more coming up next. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. As for what's going on with me and my Tesla, well, I'm back in my Tesla after being so lucky to be in the Cybertruck last weekend. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm still kind of adjusting back to uh, certainly the the steering. That's the big one where it's my brain still like I adjusted like that for steer by wire. Like, yeah, it's a, it's, it's funny. It's a little strange for an instant where you're like, what? Oh, the, I only have to turn the wheel a little bit. And, and then you just, you just lock in on that steer by wire. It's great. And so I'm still kind of adjusting going back to non steer by wire on my model three. And I have to say, I, I do still feel a little of that, like go-kart feeling where I'm like, man, I'm really low in this car, but it'll all normalize after another day or two. 
I'm sure. Uh, my car is in dire need of a good wash, but there's more rain in the forecast for this weekend. And, it, you know, we're lucky that this is a holiday weekend. I'm very grateful and fortunate to have the Monday off, but it's just rain. So it's like I, I've got the time to wash it, but I don't think Mother Nature is going to cooperate on this one. Oh, well. Time for your pro tip of the week. It's from regular caller Damon in Northbrook, Illinois. Hey, Ryan, Damon out of Northbrook, Illinois here with a pro tip on how to quickly turn off the lights in your Tesla. If you ever have to wait in your car at night, as my wife and I often do picking up our daughters from volleyball, it's not nice to sit there with your headlights on. It draws attention to you. And in our case, we have other parents in a parking lot opposite us and you don't want to be blinding them with your headlights. Unfortunately, the menus in the Teslas, you have to do a couple steps to get to the headlights. And it would be nice if you just had a quick shortcut. Well, there are actually two in the Ys and threes at least where you can hit the charge port button on your car icon and that will quickly turn off your headlights. Now you might have to hit your lock button to get your dome lights off if you have auto dome lights. But another way to do it is to have a shortcut on your dash for the theater mode. And if you're sitting there anyhow, you might want to watch something while you're waiting and you just hit theater mode and it turns off all the lights, dome and headlights. And we find that really useful because it's something we have to do a lot and it saves a couple steps going through the menu. So hopefully that helps someone out. Anyhow, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to the next one. Thanks. Thanks, Damon. I confess I never thought about this one, but you cite a very practical, real-life use case. I appreciate that you've come up with two shortcuts to achieve the goal of turning off the headlights while you're in the car, and neither are particularly conventional, which is the very definition of a pro tip. I appreciate you sending this in. Thank you so much. And if anybody else out there has a good Tesla pro tip that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, please call in. And to call in, you just call in one of the two easy ways that I told you about a little earlier in the podcast. Keep those pro tips of the week coming. Before I scoot out of here, let me mention some friends of Ride the Lightning, starting with abstractocean.com. They've got a ton of great aftermarket accessories for all four, now all five Teslas. Yes, there's one or two things for Cybertruck in there, more inevitably on the way. Their most popular stuff are their lighting kits. If you want to brighten up the accent lights in your interior, like that footwell lighting, the lighting that's in the in your um, your door panel, you know, down in the sort of cubby holder down there, that, that kind of stuff, the footwells and what have you. They have different color lights or just brighter white lights or both, you know, br- brighter and different colors. Lots of great stuff. Just go over there, abstractocean.com. Click on whichever Tesla you own. It'll sort the products by everything that's compatible with your car. Anything that you like, throw it into your online shopping cart. And then when you get to checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST to get 15% off of your first order. That coupon code again is RTLPODCAST, all one word, no spaces. Snap plate. And the new Snapplate Plus, available for 3Y, X, and S. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. And don't forget the coupon code. Thank you to the EveryAmp folks for offering this to the Ride the Lightning listeners. The coupon code is simply RTL as well. So again, the website is everyamp.com slash RTL. 
the coupon code RTL. This is the front license plate bracket that I recommend if you either want or legally need to have a front license plate on your Tesla. It's a nice, clean, minimalist design, blends really well with the front end of the Teslas. If you choose to remove it at any time for any reason, like you're going to a car show or just spending a bunch of time detailing your car and you want to take it off to really get make sure you're getting into every nook and cranny in that front fascia area, you can do that and it's not going to leave any unsightly hardware behind. So regular snap plate is safety optimized with breakaway features to sacrifice itself in a worst case scenario like a parking accident or a car wash. The snap plate plus, if you'd prefer that, is strength optimized with hardened features for maximum strength. So both of them are made from recycled, made in the USA plastics with stainless steel reinforcements. Again, get yours at everyamp.com RTL. Use the coupon code RTL. BudgetSafeSolar.com. Check them out if you're in the market for solar for your home or business or both. That's who ended up doing my solar project here, uh, my wife and I's home here. Turned out great. Um, and I'm actually, I got to check on that that true up, the my yearly credit that I'm supposed to get. I got I to gotta look into that. I have not seen any, any emails about it, but it's been a year now. It's been a great year. Uh, and I've been very happy with my budget safe solar system. So they do offer home battery storage, both Tesla and other brands. So if that sounds good, give them a ch- give them a look at budgetsafesolar.com, check them out. And if you do proceed with an installation, kindly use the referral code RTL. Immaculate reflections. If you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, with a car that you really care about, whether it's your Tesla or a different vehicle, you could definitely treat yourself and your car to a spa day at Immaculate Reflections. They offer a nice little discount to listeners of this podcast. You just have to mention that you listen to Ride the Lightning and that discount will automatically be applied for you. You can reach out through the website, which is irdetailing.com. They offer paint correction, paint protection film on some or all of the car. They offer ceramic coating on the the car. You could also do, which I did, the wheels, which just makes the wheels way easier to clean because even dirt doesn't really stick to them and then the water just beads right off. It's I'm glad I did my wheels. My I ceramic coated my wheels as well as the entire car as well. So anyway, uh, if any of that sounds good, Immaculate Reflections here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area is the spot to go. Visit their website. Again, it's irdetailing.com. I would be mighty humbled and grateful if you would take a look at my Patreon page sometime. That is the way through which you can voluntarily choose to support what I'm doing here with Ride the Lightning. My Patreon page, again, is found at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can support the podcast starting at just five bucks a month. And in fact, if you're at that tier, then this episode, you're getting it extra early. Since again, as I mentioned at the top, I'm having to record this on Thursday evening instead of Friday evening with my mother and father-in-law coming into town for some big milestone birthday shenanigans. So uh, that's what the the $5 tier gets that. That's my way of saying thank you is the early access. But if you do step up to the most popular tier, it's that $10 per month tier, 
you will get you'll still get that early access to each week's episode, but you'll also get access to every past, present, and future for as long as you're pledging lightning round mini episode that I do each week. Again, there are 84 of them now. So my Patreon page one more time can be found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. You can subscribe to or follow this podcast, depending whatever nomenclature that each podcast service uses on any of the big podcast services. Uh, Most of you seem to use Apple podcasts, which is great because that's now a native app in your Tesla. But I'm also on Google podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, and I'm also on YouTube podcasts as well. Um, I guess it's not just YouTube podcasts. It's all of them. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla and you should find me by putting in those search terms on any of those podcast services. If you need a referral link in order to get the three free months of supercharging with the purchase of a new Tesla, hopefully you've got a friend, family member, coworker whose code you can use. But if not, you are more than welcome to use mine. It's there for you uh, to, to get it, to utilize it, you have to place your order through this link. My understanding is that Tesla will not retroactively go back and apply uh, referral links if the car hasn't been ordered with it. Unfortunately, a friend and former coworker who I I just got together with briefly this past weekend, he wanted to see the Cybertruck while I had it. It was just good to see him as well. He's been in LA for a while. He just moved back up to the Bay Area. Uh, He was telling me, yeah, he... He did not, uh, or he had a, a brother, I think, brother, some family members code, but he didn't order it with like right off the bat. And so I told him, yeah, you're probably not going to get it. But, you know, if it certainly ask when before delivery and you never know. But anyway, to use my referral link if you want it. Sorry, this is way too long winded. Just type in ts.la slash Ryan73014 and hit enter in any web browser on desktop or mobile and it will take you to a landing page. You choose which Tesla that you're wanting to order, configure it, order it, and then those three free months of FSD will be baked into your order. Follow me on X and or Instagram. If you're interested, I have the same username on both. That username is DMC underscore Ryan. You can email me anytime. My email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. And before I go, I want to say hello and thank you to the grandfathered in plaid, as well as the maximum plaid and roadster in space tier backers. I'll start this week with the grandfathered in plaid folks. Thank you very much for your continued support to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla Owners Club of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Ish, not Elon Musk, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Next, an extra big thanks goes out to the Maximum Plaid backers, who are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from New York City, Darren Nickel, 
Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Derek Nesselrode, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Joel Sapp, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoy, ContactOneCallCenter.com, Jason Chalukas, Travis Krenzel, Bruce Otterstein, Tom Behan, Josh Pennington, Matt Kalen, John from Creamridge, New Jersey, Sean Tisdale, Dustin Hart, and Michael Gallo. Finally, another mega thanks goes out to the Roadster in Space tier, the very highest tier of the Patreon. Extra huge thanks to these generous folks. They are Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Ayacaveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Carol Weston, Robert from near Philly, Kristen Rumble, and American Home Contractors. Thank you all so much for your very generous Patreon support, no matter what tier of the Patreon you are kind enough to be backing me at. And with that, I think this has been uh, over, definitely over an hour and a half. Uh, hopefully you've found it to be a useful, enjoyable, informative hour and a half plus. I do feel a little bad about talking so long at the top of the podcast about the Cybertruck, but then again, I mean, I know so many of you are interested in it, and like I said, I was just speaking from the heart. This was, this is obviously the most wild and crazy Tesla vehicle ever, is the Cybertruck, and and so, you know, I think it merited a, a lengthy discussion. So, hopefully you enjoyed that. If you didn't, I apologize. Things will be... It'll be back to business as usual next week. But until then, I, of course, am Ryan McCaffrey. This four-legged pooch to my left that's snoozing is Daisy the Boxer. Somewhere up uh, up north of here, probably also snoozing right now, is Zelina the Future Service Dog, who we miss a lot in this house, but hope that her training is off to a good start as she works towards becoming a service dog to really help somebody out and help help give somebody a more independent life. That is the goal here. So, Zelina, we miss you. Uh, Daisy definitely misses you. We, the humans here, also definitely miss you. In any case, uh, thank you all so much for your time and attention this week on this extra-long edition of Ride the Lightning. This has been the 446th episode of Ride the Lightning. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.